0: and welcome to film inquiries the latest this is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news movie trends and movie releases i'm your host jesse nessman and on the other line checking off the the bingo card on his board that says bob Iger returns to disney it's daniel feingold daniel welcome Didn't and see
1: that one coming
0: I know, kind of like one of the crazier media stories in the last few years, maybe last like several years. I I mean, I'm I'm not as into like the the business machinations of Disney to know like you know the full like boardroom meeting in and out, but like yeah, kind of kind of a big uh kickoff to the the Thanksgiving week to former Disney CEO Bob Iger, like coming back and throwing his sub subse- successor like into the trash and saying like i'm
1: <laughs> never left
0: yeah basically just like i'm the captain now <laughs> um daniel it so this is going to be kind of like was 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 theorizing the last several weeks on how to just sort of like handle the just sort of like running faucet of new releases that's coming out now as we're sort of entering into the holiday season and we're really in the thick of award season um and so this is going to be kind of like a grab bag episode where we're going to be talking about some stuff that you and I have both seen some stuff that I've seen but you haven't some stuff that you've seen that I haven't and we're just going to try and cover as much of the just sort of like breadth of options that people have which I I feel like people will appreciate because I feel like you know around the holidays especially the Thanksgiving holiday season like I'm always trying to think of like all right what can I watch what's out what can I maybe go see with the family what can I maybe sneak out of the house to go see what should I meet up a friend to go see so I, I hope we're going to cover the, the plethora of options people have and maybe give people like an idea of what we think about some of these movies that have maybe be coming out. Does that sound sound like a plan? Sound like a good strategy? I don't know how long this is going to go, but we're going to, we're going to try our best to blow through like six or eight movies or something like that. There, there's probably even more than that, but we, we had to cap it at a certain point.
1: Absolutely. Let's do it.
0: Um, Where, where do you want to begin? Should, should we begin with kind of the, the, the most recent, releases that kind of came out this past weekend um there's obviously the menu which it sounds like was a pretty solid hit um and did pretty well at the box office a movie that you and i i think did we talk about it on our tiff pod i know you and i both definitely saw it at tiff but i don't know how in depth we went on it this is kind of a satirical thriller uh set at a kind of world-class restaurant on an island off i mean they shot this movie kind of off the coast of georgia so let's just say it's like off off near savannah somewhere this kind of like remote island where it's just this super exclusive high-end restaurant and the very wealthy clientele that go to eat there one night and maybe get served a bit more than what they were hoping for when the head chef played by ray fines uh decides to uh serve up a little little heaping dose of of vengeance uh, on their plates that evening and it becomes this kind of uh you know you know my i was home actually for thanksgiving this past weekend did like an early thanksgiving with my family and my uncle brought this movie up and was like asking me about it and he was like so like do they is it like the people get turned into food like they get eaten and i was like well actually there is a movie out now that's about people eating other people but it's not this one um we'll put a pin in that I, for later, but I, I
1: can't wait to have that conversation with you. I, I Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Continue. Sorry.
0: But um, yeah, I, I kind of, then he kind of asked, like, I sort of start, started describing the plot to him. Cause it definitely was like something that, and went in the full spoilers of something that he was definitely not going to be interested in seeing. And he was like, Oh, so it's like, um, and then there were none, the Agatha Christie uh, story. And I was like, Oh, that's actually a perfect example. Like I haven't thought to compare it to that of just sort of like, this random collection of people who are slowly getting kind of off one by one um, and then kind of gradually learning. But maybe I, I would argue like we kind of figure it out sooner than later, kind of that they, they all have some sort of connection and it all revolves around this, this one chef and uh, I should mention Anya Taylor joy playing kind of the audience surrogate into this, this evening and someone who is, is, as we learn not actually part of this sort of wealthy upper crust of people. And it's kind of there by, by happenstance, her date sort of played by Nicholas Holt sort of brings her around. Um, As I said, I think you and I kind of briefly talked about this when we saw it at TIFF. I was kind of uh the grumpy Greta who came out and I think you had been hearing hype about it all week. People were buzzing Um You came out, you shot me this look, and we're like, I loved it, thought it was a blast, and I think I made, like, a fart sound or something like that, and we're just like, I thought that was total garbage. This is our chance to go full spoiler with it. If you want a more, I guess, condensed, you know, simple version of it, go back and listen to our TIFF episode. But this is our chance to go, like, full buck wild with everything that happens in this movie, so... Since you're the one who was a fan with it, I I will give you your opportunity to kind of like sell it to the people and tell people what you loved so much about it and maybe I'll try and fire back at why I found it like a totally eye-rolling experience and maybe the years most overrated movie.
1: Wow, okay. Um <laughs> So with that, yeah, with that said, this is Mark Mylod, um the an executive producer and frequent director of Succession and I think he's kind of Utilizing the same kind of winning formula here of a really sharply, funny, bitingly hilarious um, script or screenplay and a a really game cast. It's a lot of fun watching Ray Fiennes having a lot of fun. Mm. Um, I I can't
0: argue with that.
1: (laughs) um, And I think kind of everyone plays their part really well. Anya Taylor-Joy, immensely easy to root for in this movie, and I think she she is up for the task as this movie kind of zeroes in as we get further and further into it, it becomes more of a very much her versus chef. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: Nicholas Holt, I think does a very good job as well of being a total dweeb in both a satirical yet relatable way where he can both be this in this like absurd movie of like a trust fund baby man child who is going to correct his date throughout the night over like how to better appreciate or how to actually eat the ridiculous portions that she's being served in the, the, with the absurd presentation, but also kind of reminding you of maybe the friend who posts a little bit too much about food on social media um, yeah, he's
0: he's a total satire of like the Instagram foodie culture and and even the way that people like, you know, will watch I watched like four episodes of of Chef's Table and I know like everything about every technique, which I I know in you and I's friendship is sometimes how I can come across and maybe it was the one section of the movie where I was like, okay, this 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 aspect of the satire is working like a little bit for me.
1: I also thought the visual gags oftentimes funnier than even the dialogue and that's not Mm a knock on the dialogue that i I found the dialogue really biting and hilarious but the visual gags were sometimes even more laugh out loud funny um it just it it does a great job of kind of this absurdist humor where you realize you're laugh like what you're laughing at is deeply unsettling and weird and twisted and that just kind of makes it funnier um this was also i believe like the fifth movie of the day if not for both of us then definitely for me that we had seen at tiff and it was kind of just like me i remember we we got there we had we had come from after sun
0: that's was it, right yeah, after sun we were like having to bolt it from like one yeah. in if anyone knows the like how toronto is laid out we were having to bolt it from like the light box i believe where we we saw after sun and um what theater was it it, it uh, now I can't even remember what theater we saw the menu in.
1: Princess of Princess of Wales,
0: I believe, maybe. Maybe. Well, it, regardless. Regardless. It like, yes, we we I, had to go a, a ways. It was not like right next door that we had it, to go. It,
1: it, <laughs> and I remember we 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 were divided up. We we didn't end up sitting together. Um, you were I think higher up in the theater. I was like front row because uh-huh. of, we were getting there so last second. I just remember. This experience for me, it had a lot of th- people in the theater because there it was. Granted, it's a it's a film festival; people are going to be g- generally pretty there's, game there's a and more happy upbeat to, mood, yeah, right, yeah. Um, but it was like two hours of me sitting in the front row at like midnight, five movies deep that day, just like hysterically laughing and clapping at the screen like a madman. I I sent I sent a gift to a friend earlier like it is like kind of Nicolas Cage hysterical laughing gif that was me experiencing this movie I just I was I found it delightfully sinister um, and sharing a, a family anecdote I sent my my uncle mm-hmm. who's a movie who's like a very casual uh, but casual but off... like likes to go to the theater um yeah movie fan and he he's like i watched the trailer for this does it is it at all like get out i'm not sure like if it's the kind of movie for me like i get the i get the gist that he doesn't like anything that's like too kind of
0: social commentary oh. not, not <laughs> even
1: that necessarily but like kind of like edge of your seat like
0: yeah it's gonna get his
1: heart racing it may not be for him but like it's billed kind of as like a horror comedy or like a dark comedy, but it's more like a thriller comedy or suspense comedy. Like it's not like scary. It just sure. like it just messed up. Um, but yeah, there's not like jump scares, and I just I I really appreciated Mylod and the screenwriters using the like using this world as an entrance into commentary on class and art and judging art and creation um and just like the intersection of ignorance and wealth or ignorance and privilege um i just i just found it refreshing and especially with the the amount of class satire or social commentary that it feels like we've gotten pretty recently
0: mm-hmm. particularly
1: with Triangle of Sadness, Glass Onion, which also we screened at. Um, right, I I put this at the top of those three, and I thought that this was kind of a sharper, more well earned version of what maybe Ryan Johnson was trying to go with. Completely different, like
0: yeah, though it is line, but collection of like vain rich people who all wind up in right. an island, and then you know there's 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 murders that happen. So I mean, I I don't you're in even after you having do triangle yeah. even after having seen triangle of sadness it is sort of humorous about like how in in touch all of those movies were i i mean it's funny because even i would go like the op- the opposite of i think like this is far and away the least successful of them of i think like i i maybe don't love glass onion or triangle of sadness the way some other people do but like and and think those movies are are more successful or at least like were more of a made me laugh more than the than this movie i i think it's interesting you bringing up succession which is like probably my favorite show on tv right now and i think is like like that and then when um we talked about triangle of sadness a few weeks on this show like brought up white lotus like it's weird that i think like the two best versions of like let's a uh, uh, a really biting insanely funny but like very sharp and feels very current and plugged into the moment kind of satire of vain rich people in our modern day world is sort of those two hbo shows and i don't know in the way that you found this movie to be like very very like just thrilling and and smart and clever i sort of found it like every step of the way like super obvious and like super kind of like you know i i think like the nicholas Holt character like that's that's a fun jab and the bit where he gets his comeuppance in the kitchen i think is like one of the one of the moments of the movie that i i kind of smiled at but you know like the art you know the the food critic who's like a little like overly snobby like i've i've seen that before like the the rich finance bros i feel like that is like better satirized on something like succession um i even this movie's kind of idea of of food that i i won't fully spoil down to but i will say like the the simplicity of making a good hamburger becomes like a crucial uh kind of rosetta stone to to understanding this movie and its its themes and kind of the final act and even that I was like, I, I don't know. I feel like that, that that's been in like eight hundred food blogs at this at this point. Like I don't think that's like really uh offering any kind of in new anything new or enlightening to say about you know, food culture, um and the our sort of like the obsessive Instagrammable way we, you know want to experience eating at a restaurant um which is something that you know you and i go out to eat a lot i'm sure you've heard me like my rail against like overly pretentious or overly fussy food spots but like even even this movie to me i kind of wanted it just even on an aesthetic level like to be more absurd than it was like that. There is kind of like a moment that I th- I feel like on the walk home to our Airbnb, you were like at the very, very end of the movie that you thought you were like cackling to yourself and was like, I love that it got to that operatic absurd moment. And I was like, I wanted it to get to that point sooner. Like, like let's really just sort of like you e- either let's blow this up to such sort of absurd comic levels or like the the thriller aspect needs to be a little bit more i i don't know i need to get a little bit more tension out of it and there was sort of a certain point where I, like even i didn't really care what happened to the Anya Taylor-Joy character i really love Anya Taylor-Joy uh she can run me over with a car for for all i care um <laughs> you know but even, like, I don't care if these people get out of this this room. There's nothing funny about this. There's no humor I'm getting from, like, laughing at these people. And it just sort of felt like sitting in that room had the opposite experience of, like, I, I think you had the feeling of this kind of, like, raucous, everybody cheering experience. And I had the, I, I feel like I had the version of what you said your glass onion experience was, which is, like, sitting in a room and feeling like everybody was doing, like, like good job snaps to like socially appropriate tweets on twitter or something like that if if that makes sense um and and so i, I don't know, i don't know i i'm i'm fully willing to to take this to the finish line is like i know lots of people who who have a good time with this movie um i'm open to seeing it again but i i from that like tiff screening was definitely like you remember like rolling my eyes pretty hard at as we got out of the movie and was just like well that that did not work at all and you know i I am fine not seeing any more kind of like absurdist class satires for a while
1: that yeah that w- that was probably the one where I was most like taken aback that you that you didn't like it like that mm. i i thought you i thought I had maybe an idea like oh he." he certainly he's gonna we're gonna feel the same way about this one and um and that you didn't was deeply deeply hurtful um no but uh even even at you met you mentioned kind of a i would call it a sight gag at the at the end that you referenced that i was like kind of still laughing about later Mm -hmm. given that i still actually liked I think the buildup in the first two acts more than the final act. And I didn't think that Milan quite like stuck the landing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked kind of the, the buildup of like the awkward tension of like the what this is weird, what's happening t- kind of thing. Yeah. Um, versus once we got to, okay, here's what's going on and like, now all hell breaks loose. So I kinda like the the build-up to that. Just kinda just like the really awkward tension. Um but yeah, also I think it's worth noting. I don't know if this has anything to do with how we felt, but I think you are more interested. You definitely are more interested in like you enjoy cooking, you mm-hmm. enjoy watching those kind of like you are you are more, I guess, involved in the the world, the culture of food yeah and i I was
0: i was excited to see this in that like you know food is inherently like food is one of the most like inherently political things you know we can we can talk about and so even like you know i was excited going in to see this with the idea of like no that's actually kind of like a perfect sort of you know vessel to to sort of do a class satire and um i i just sort of uh, the the conclu- the conclusions and ways this the movie sort of cho- chose to sort of like use that as as a vessel to explore these ideas i was just sort of let down and felt like oh yeah let's kind of like not as not not as interesting and sort of fully explored and felt like we were sort of hitting familiar beats we had sort of seen before in a variety of different movies and tv shows
1: and I guess I I wonder if how much my ignorance to cooking and enjoying cooking shows or reality shows or reading recipe stuff from mm-hmm. the New York Times fed into my enjoyment because my knowledge of the food world is essentially, wow, people are posting pictures of food on Instagram and it's really annoying and it you it liking coffee or liking food is not a personality trait and like so that that's kind of how i came into the movie Mm -hmm. where it's like oh yeah these people definitely deserve to get lampooned like this is this is great this is this is exactly what i kind of need um so it just I, i think maybe maybe that may have made some somewhat of a difference but Definitely, definitely would want to see it again. And just for the record, I did really like uh, Triangle of Sadness. And I like, am kind of middle of the road on Glass, I mean, I really like the mm. first Knives Out. And I thought this one was, which I guess is like okay for us to talk about considering it's hitting theaters and it's little limited release wow, this week. Yeah, that
0: is true. Um, just give it a full release, Netflix. Like, you can make yeah, money. It, that, that's like the
1: weirdest thing about it is like it's it's absolutely best scene in like it's a theatrical experience yeah Yeah. um so i do wonder how much that's going to take away from the experience because i think as much like eye-rolling as i had you were accurate in saying that like our our situation our viewing experiences Mm. were completely kind of reversed with these two movies um as much as like the eye-rolling and how much i felt The audience was just kind of like oh it's ryan johnson and we really like the first one and there's a lot of celebrities in this one so we are happy to clap and laugh because you are trying your best um Mm -hmm. that said like it's still a movie that i would have i again would want to experience with other people in a theater um so it is weird that it's it's netflix and we'll see how that plays out um but yeah, that even to me, as as like disappointed as I was with it, I still thought was kind of like so so. Like I'm I'm not like this yeah. is a bad movie. It was fun. It was a good time. It was entertaining. Just I I would I would stack the menu at the top just like what what are the soft spoiler are they pancakes that they're served with like the incriminating evidence printed on no, them? It's
0: the, it's the it's the tortillas. The tortillas, okay, yes. For, for, I couldn't for exactly what night. exactly yeah,
1: I couldn't exactly remember which like what kind of serving yeah. it was that they were getting that on. Just that to me. Also just like the 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 little menu descriptions that popped oh. up on the screen I very much enjoyed.
0: <laughs> Another movie that the kind of the other release of this past weekend that opposite the menu I think really did not kind of kind of as a big bomb like one of the bigger bombs of the year it seems. Um but I feel like notable to talk about cuz it sort of I guess it still could be, um, but, you know, kind of going into the fall season sort of seemed like, oh, this is going to be a big Oscar movie um, is She Said, which is the a sort of newsroom drama about the two reporters who uh, kind of broke the uh, Harvey Weinstein scandal at the New York Times, uh, those reporters being uh, Jody Cantor, played by Zoe Kazan, and Megan Thule, played by Carrie Mulligan. Um, this is kind of an old-school investigative reporter movie, um, I would say very closely in the mold of something like Spotlight, which I'm... What, what do you think of Spotlight, and when when was the last time you saw it?
1: When it was in theaters, and I did really like it.
0: I yeah, remember, I, I, think I it loved like... it in theaters, but I admittedly rewatched it during the pandemic and still still think it's good but was definitely like this maybe isn't as good as i thought it was when i saw it in theaters that's why i was curious like when the last time you had seen it was because it definitely like it went from being like masterpiece like five-star movie when it came out in theaters and i was like taking journalism classes in college and then like watching it at home during the pandemic and being like no this is like a, like four out of five star like this is this is good but this isn't like transcendently good um and i would say some of that movie's kind of problems that i ran into revisiting it are kind of like bigger problems with she said um you know i i think in kind of wrestling what i thought about it after seeing it i think if you're going into this i think the 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 only real way to enjoy this movie I think is if you go into it kind of only having sort of a passing knowledge of the whole Weinstein thing. Like, I think if your knowledge of that is movie producer who sexually assaulted some people, like you don't really know too many of the details. You're just like, Oh yeah. that was like part of the me too movement or something like that. I think this movie will, will work as a like, kind of wikipedia dump um of some more kind of contextual information and kind of offering up some of the kind of firsthand testimony from some of his victims uh all, but me being someone who kind of was following that story as it was breaking i kind of walked out of this just sort of wanting more and it has moments that like it really works there's like an incredible scene with uh samantha morton who plays like one of the the victims who's being interviewed and is just like her sitting across the table with i I believe it's zoe kazan and just sort of like recounting this experience she had at like a, a, a coffee shop and it's it she just gives this monologue that's like you know i i mean i would say if anyone should get like acting Oscar from this movie like Samantha Morton for for that scene. I I thought that was like the one moment where the movie really clicked together for me, but otherwise I just sort of I wanted more of either like the moviness of it or more of the detail if that makes sense. I either want like the eight part like Netflix or HBO documentary series of this where we can really dive into the details we can interview like some of the actual reporters who worked on this and like let's just not let's let's explore not just you know what happened to like a a few of these victims like let's explore all of it and like we can really go into the details of like the systemic ways that um Weinstein was able to kind of like cover his tracks and keep the these stories kind of like brushed under the rug for so so long and and that kind of detail and the sort of minutiae of it I think was something I kind of missed from the movie or if it is going to be a narrative feature wanting more you know like another kind of counterpoint to this is something like all the president's men and that's a story that I'm sure most people who see that movie know the Watergate know where the Watergate story winds up but that movie I think both finds a kind of fun mismatched chemistry between Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman that isn't really that you know I, I kind of wanted either let's get more kind of personality and chemistry out of Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan kind of building the story from the ground up or just have like a little bit more atmosphere to this. Like, you know, you watch all the presidents, Men, it feels like a sort of seventies conspiracy theory, paranoia thriller. Like there, there's a sense of dread and like, Oh, we're really uncovering something kind of like malicious and, and, and sort of dark and hidden in secret rooms. And I just kind of wanted more, like I said, either let's, let's like really, really go in the weeds and like fully explore, not just you know, this happened to this specific person, which I think is important and important for those stories to be heard, obviously. But wanted more of the okay, so how, how is that, how are these stories able to be sort of like, like I said, swept under the rug for so long, or can I get a little bit more moviness out of my movie to where? it 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 doesn't quite feel so dry i think if that makes any sense
1: yeah i i have not seen this yet i will there's just kind of one that we had a did you go to the screening of it yeah i went
0: I, i went yeah i went to the one that was like a few days before the movie came out um and obviously i mean like you and i work in media so there's 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 all there's also like the 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 weird kind of like added thing of like i i feel like journalists can be a little bit more nitpicky with journalism movies just like how i am how i assume like you know neil degrasse tyson gets to go off about whatever scientific inaccuracies are in interstellar and we're like oh come on man or like you know i'm sure cops (laughs) are like watching cop or like uh my my aunt who is like a nurse for for decades would like sit and watch you know medical shows every night and like scoff at just like (sighs) that wouldn't happen you wouldn't do that so i've the, that is kind of also a place where like we're coming from of like the and and the you know the actual like how the journalism works in the movie you know i think it's pretty accurate to what it's like to work in a newsroom but you know I, as i said i either wanted more more in-depth detail or more style in this to kind of make it crackle a little bit more
1: yeah and it's tough to do journalism movies not like a movie where someone happens to be a journalist as their profession, but an actual journalism movie where you are telling a story about the journalistic process that is that is a tough beat for yeah what what you were saying like a narrative feature versus a possible alternative being you know an eight part h b o series um but I... I, I i will see this because i also you know of course anticipate regardless of the box office returns like Mm -hmm. some kind of awards buzz whether it makes it for best picture or if it's just you know maybe samantha morton getting in for best supporting actress or you know the screenplay um so yeah we'll see would you i mean would you like sitting here now would you recommend it to people if someone was like hey she said what's it like you know, I know this story, obviously, what, should I go see it?
0: Yeah, I guess it'd be the caveat of, like, I guess I would ask people of, like, what, what do you know of this story? And I would say, like, the less you know, I think the more you're going to get out of this. Why? I think, like, if, if you know, and, like, have read, you know, read the book that this is based off of, read the New York Times story, read the Ronan Farrow stuff, like, if, if you've been sort of keeping up with, this story as it has like unfolded over the years um i i don't know i don't know what what much more you would get out of this but um you know as as i kind of like was i one of my cousins went and saw it with me and i I, he liked it i think a bit more than i did um but we we kind of had sort of like the same kind of back and forth of like it does sort of like offer like a good sort of like quick two-hour summary i think of kind of the key bullet points of of one of the kind of bigger media stories of the last few years um if you only just sort of have like a passing knowledge of it i guess well those are kind of like the newish newish releases what, what should we talk about? Do you, you saw the, I have not watched yet the Netflix remake of All Quiet on the Western Front, which um, I, I guess it's not necessarily a Netflix produced thing, but it's getting released here in the United States by Netflix. And um, you, among many other people, have been telling me it's really, really good, but it's like almost three hours, right? So I haven't gotten a chance to get around to see it. This Those framed it as a question. I definitely to... haven't gotten around to see it. I don't know why I framed that as like have <laughs> I
1: <laughs> um this also came out at the film festival at the Toronto international Film Festival, and we mm-hmm. I initially had tickets to see it um and then we kind of shuffled around drastically shuffled around and kind of rearranged our schedule. um it didn't end up making the cut um and like that was also like, oh, it's coming to Netflix. Not that long from now, I know yeah. I'll be able to like watch it then. So that was part part of my thinking. But I think like I think for me it was counts, like I
0: can fit in like two movies in the time that like I could sit down and spend the afternoon watching this thing. I think was like a little yeah. bit of my strategy to coin a um, phrase from George Shumpy Bush.
1: And you also had you also were were seeing another war movie, correct? During, our, it was just like I forgetting the name. Like it was just letters.
0: Oh, R.M.N. Right, that's not really a war movie. That's oh, that's okay. about, but good movie, good movie. Definitely would recommend. We'll, we'll talk I'll about it le- maybe later on.
1: <laughs> I'll climb the Western Front. Um, I have described it as the most horrifying movie of the year, and it is not a horror movie. It is a war movie, and or more accurately, an anti-war movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it is deeply upsetting and yeah it is it is a it is, it is long it is well over 2 hours um and it is not an easy watch and that is the point but to see these young men it's kind of through the lens particularly of, of one young man who you know in the kind of later days of world war 1 where germany is really getting Destroyed on the battlefield These young men Think they're Gonna go into war and have like All this glory and heroism And feel great about it It's gonna be just awesome They're gonna be like movie stars And you know They're gonna come home and be these heroes And, and you know Be like more attractive And appealing And then they get to the front lines of the war And it's the front lines of a war in 1970s Europe in the winter. And it's
0: or horrifying. Teams. What did I say? 1970s.
1: 19, yeah, I'm sorry, 1917. <laughs> um, yeah, early 1900s. <laughs> it, is, it takes place largely in 1917. Mm-hmm. As the war is winding down, it's kind of this waiting until the powers that be who are not involved in literally killing one another decide to end the war versus these young men on the battlefield, literally killing each other for the final days until paperwork is signed. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: it is just a brutal portrayal of people killing people for like, Reasons they don't understand, and mm-hmm. reasons they don't—they don't, they don't actually—it's they're killing other people so they don't get killed. And there are some scenes here that are just that will forever stay with me. um It's just—it's just brutal. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great selling point. It's really well done. It's not a movie that like quote unquote I enjoyed watching or like am like man, what a movie. It's like it's it's powerful and yeah i've, it's, I've
0: oh Cohen, continue no i would
1: just it's i think one of i i would be shocked if it doesn't get nominated for best international feature um it is uh germany's entry for for that category um it, i don't know if it's gonna like end up in my top 10 or anything for whatever that means but it's among the most impactful well done movies of the year i would say
0: yeah i've i've heard a lot of people who've who've seen it say like oh this will most definitely be you know in that lineup of best international features at the oscars um yeah and and, you know it's obviously based off of this like very acclaimed novel um that as you said was sort of reckoning with the, the the trauma and the the terror and and violence of world war one and then was obviously adapted into this um kind of equally iconic movie in 1930 that's that's considered by by many to be one of the greatest war movies ever made i've i've actually like never even seen the 1930 version even though i've heard you know such great things about it had had you ever seen the the original u.s version
1: i refuse to watch any content that uh was produced and released before uh my date of birth i'm just kidding but no i have, never that. I, I refuse uh, to believe anything <laughs> that happened before me actually existed no um no but uh just to to, to go off that i have a friend um who re- very vividly recalls reading the book in college and
0: mm-hmm.
1: watching this movie he thought it stuck very much to like the deeply disturbing imagery of of the novel which he. Reminded me was like also like really graphic and upsetting. Yeah. and messed up and he thought that this movie had a lot of that kind of same aura in in doom and gloom.
0: Well, speaking of of graphic gnarly violet, uh I saw Bones and All, which is will be coming out around uh this this Thanksgiving week. Um you did not get a chance to, to see it. Uh, This is the new film from Luca Guadagnino who is made uh, probably most, I think known for, for doing call me by your name. The, the movie that kind of launched Timothy Chalamet into it's like America's newest young heartthrob and uh, also did uh, movies like I am love uh, a bigger splash, which I personally really enjoy um, and the, 2018 remake of Suspiria. This is based off of a YA novel, uh, I believe about um these two young teens wandering America, played by Chalamet and uh young actress named Taylor Russell, who, if you saw the movie Waves uh a few years ago, would probably recognize her. Um and they so happen to be cannibals, so it's about young teen cannibals in love wandering this great nation of ours and um just trying to find a place in it but every now and then they have to eat people um this is a movie i'd heard of, like a lot of hype about and kind of going into it and you know it it kind of won the the second prize at the venice film festival uh this past year and You know, I I generally like Luca Guadagnino's movies and kind of the, you know the the kind of he's willing to indulge you in in the senses in a way that I I really admire and you know when when people were kind of people who had seen it before me kind of described it to me they were like oh it's it's you know it's kind of like badlands the terrence malick movie which is one of my favorites i also heard some comparisons to near dark Catherine bigelow's i think like pretty underrated vampire movie from the 80s um you you know there there's kind of the obvious comparison of like is he is he meshing together like the romance of call me by your name with the like visceral horror stuff of his suspiria remake and kind of doing this like art house uh horror movie and i have to be honest like i I left kind of I've been sort of wrestling with my feelings on it and keep like even for whatever it's worth kind of jostling back and forth between like is it a three-star movie or a a three-and-a-half star movie like da da. Like, I I think it kind of works but I also feel like it falls really short of its potential and there's aspects of it that kind of frustrate me in a way I, I think the thing about it that works just to kind of give you a a sense of what the vibe of this movie is is like i think the romance at the center is is a pretty like well handled like 80s set teen like really earnest teen romance movie and i think the thing that kind of threw me off watching it was this is a way more sincere and kind of emotional movie than i was expecting like has way more, you know, it's way closer to, I think, something like, this is going to sound silly, like something like a, like, say anything than, like, the gnarliness of, like, uh near dark, if that makes any sense. But also is a movie that has, like, some extreme graphic violence. Um, But to me, the cannibalism aspect of it is the thing that I'm having trouble sort of, like, wrestling with of i think if this if this was just a movie about kind of these kind of teen runaways who just sort of find each other on the road and are trying to find their their place in this country then like i think the movie would largely work and would be like a pretty well-made version of that um you know with you know the kind of rolling hills of the the kind of midwest and um you know the like north dakotas and montanas i forget where all they kind of travel to in this movie and you know these these kind of like two very striking actors in front of these kind of beautiful americana landscapes um and i actually think like i i think taylor russell who's way more of the lead of the movie is quite excellent in this um chalamet on the other hand um I've really liked him in some stuff I've n- not been as impressed in others. I think this is kind of a weird role for him. I think he he I think when he, the character is way more kind of like emotionally vulnerable and kind of um seductive or sweet, like I I think he really works for that. I think when the character is meant to be more kind of brooding and edgy and kind of scary, it it doesn't quite work and he feels a little weirdly miscast so it it's even like a weird performance i think by him of like there's some scenes where i think he's like really really effective and great in the movie and other scenes where i like totally was not buying him as this character at all um but the cannibalism aspect just sort of feels like this metaphor that i i don't quite get what it's supposed to represent and like i've read a few interviews with luca guadagnino since then about like kind of what his idea of it being and i don't really get that coming across in the movie about like is it is it is it an aids metaphor is it like you know th- there's a lot of similar to armageddon time a movie you and i saw there's a lot of like the election of reagan and like morning in america happening in the background so is it supposed to be this kind of like idea of outcasts in america but then like what is the you know if it is something like what it would mean to be gay in america during like the reagan era like cannibalism feels like a weird kind of very negative prism to sort of represent that through um and i don't know it it sort of made me crave something more like have you ever seen um, the movie Trouble Every Day? I don't think so. So it's it's this it's this Claire Denis movie from like the early 2000s that like when it came out like pe people people hated it like got <laughs> booed at Cannes. People were sort of like revolted and repulsed by it. Um, as most Claire Denis things, like she she goes hard. She is like. I, I am not afraid to kind of like make my audience uncomfortable or like really rub their nose in something. And it is a very visceral in a way. A lot of her movies are very intense cannibal drama. But I think in the cannibalism, she finds this ripe metaphor for Addiction for sexual lust and for for a variety of different things, and is able to sort of find even if you are sort of like horrified by what you're watching and are like, I never want to see that again, you cannot deny the kind of like immediacy and power of that movie and the way that she is sort of able to kind of. Meld together both like the extremity of the violence with also sort of like a sexual eroticism of like it all becomes sort of one and the same, and there are moments here here in bones and all of, like the cannibalism just sort of feels like an afterthought, it feels like something where it's like oh, it's been twenty minutes we we need them to eat something like and then we gotta hunt for someone
1: How do we feel about the amount of cannibal content we've been getting lately there's this, which is not, you know, it's adapted, but mm-hmm. still exists on the screen. Um, there's Dahmer, which was highly successful in many people watched it. Um there's Fresh, that was that this year or uh, this year. Oh right. There's Um I'm forgetting another one. There are others. Um
0: I mean, the other one I thought of, which is also a French movie that I think does this way better is the movie Raw from Julia oh, Docker. That's what I was thinking. Who, that was recent. Yeah, who made uh, Tatan last year. And like, that's even another one of like, that movie is nar- super gnarly, but she also finds this kind of very interesting, also ironic to the Claire Denis movie, like very sexual metaphor for the cannibalism. And in Bones and All, it is the characters describe it as like, it is this curse, but it's like when you are, cons- when they are consuming another human being, like it is this like rush of adrenaline that is almost like the most extreme high you could get. But you never, you never get that sense as an audience. As, as I said, it just sort of feels like this weird kind of high concept hat to kind of throw on an otherwise like very sweet, very kind of swooning traditional like teen romance drama if that makes sense but as far as like is there a cannibal moment uh well, yeah what's, what's i don't know i head? hope not because i don't want to get bitten out there in the world that is that'd there be really uncomfortable
1: does does timothy chalamet have a callback to um don't look up where instead of being like i love fingerling potatoes he's like i love fingers
0: <laughs> no but <laughs> one of the opening scenes is uh, someone getting their finger eaten. So there it is. Be w- yeah. I be warned. <laughs>
1: I, the 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 amount of content. Maybe I just haven't been aware of cannibal content. I mean, certainly it it has existed. Um, hmm. maybe I I have not been as aware of it. Uh, until recent years, it just feels like. And this is not even like counting zombie and vampire movies, which continue to be in high demand. Um, right. These are I am just strictly talking about humans eating other humans. And it seems like there's a lot of that, and I don't know how to feel about it. Maybe but, oh, Avenue Five as well, the uh, comedy on HBO Max. Um, but I think Is I'll that what happens it. in that show? There's a cannibal introduced. Sorry, that's oh a spoiler my, for season I, two, but it's it's I mean, been a I've, few episodes I've, now.
0: I've not watched that show. I, I thought you there's were There's a cannibal on long. board. I thought you were gonna say like a couple episodes in, they just start eating people on the crew, and like I was, I it's was gonna be like, "That's close. what
1: that show is." It's getting pretty close. Um, so it just seems like maybe we're relying on cannibalism a little bit too much in our society. Maybe,
0: maybe it's all uh, a sign that we all have a fear that as as humans, we are just sort of uh, consuming and destroying each other at a at a rapid rate. Deep. Yeah. Well, um do you want to uh, Yeah, let's actually end with like a movie that you and I have already like raved about on this podcast but is rolling out now across I mean it's been in limited for a couple weeks at this point I believe but It hasn't done well you, apparently. Oh, well, that's that's a shame. Go go see this movie America. At, I, the mean, ads have been I mean, coming I don't want to hear any of you complaining about like, where are all the good family movies that I could just take my family to go where are the movies I can see with my grandma and my eight year old niece that could really just bring us together. Why, why don't they make movies for, for everyone these days? And you're not going to go see the Fablemans. One of, one of the great movies of, of 2022. Um, Daniel this is a chance for us to to dive deeper to talk more in depth about scenes, performances, themes we 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 have we have you know meditated on over these last couple months since seeing Steven Spielberg's childhood memoir piece
1: I'm still upset that the standing ovation for Spielberg and the cast and the movie in general was cut cut short at at TIFF. Um, still, still if, a little bitter. If, if
0: if up to you, it would still be going.
1: It would. It would. I, I do wonder how long it would have gone on for. Um, because I've never been a part. I've I've just never experienced anything like that before. Uh, it was very mm-hmm. much like a a Venice or Cannes moment. Because at TIFF, it just that that's not it's not the same kind of thing. Like that's not TIFF for, I don't know, Austin, Phil, you know, uh, I'm sorry, not not Austin. Um, South by Southwest is not known for like, how long are these standing ovations going to go on for? And then you mm. experience one of them and it's like, guys, we got to get to the question and answer portion. Um, yes. This movie going into it, I was worried that it was going to be the feature length version Of the Nicole Kidman AMC ad.
0: That that did play that festival. I have to tell you. It's called uh, Empire of Light. And it's coming out next month.
1: (laughs) But I will say. Coming out of it. I found it to be. The feature length version. Of the Nicole Kidman AMC (sighs) ad. And I say that in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. I raved about this in my written review for Newsy. I we raved about it uh, as you mentioned when we unpacked kind of TIFF in general. This is my favorite of the favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, total comfort food, fu- comfort food viewing for me, and I cannot wait to see it over and over again. And it is just it is a delight that I think that's like a word that if you were to ask, like people to describe this movie, like just give me three words. I think delightful would be one of those three words for everyone who's seen it or will see it. Um, You got, you got, you just got to go see it. Like this is, this is Spielberg taking a victory lap. And I understand the kind of criticism or, like what like, you know kind of like checking checking it a little bit of being like oh steven spielberg thinks highly of steven spielberg
0: he should and it, that's also care. so like, interesting like that's what the movie like his even the bits in this movie where he's kind of like you know patting him where patting himself on the back or is like self-congratulating himself or like you know the scene I'm thinking of is like, even all these months later, I'm still sort of gobsmacked. I'm like, Stephen, you, you, you pesky little, you pesky little man. You is the, where the bit where like, so there's this bully that at his high school and he goes and like shoots the, the kind of senior skip day that they're having at the beach and shows this movie that, kind of like wows all his classmates and in the movie like the the jock bully is this like glowing god like movie star and the the guy like has this it becomes this very complicated scene of like the guy is like you have turned me into something i am not but also i don't understand like i'm mean to you like is this is this a Weird, like, am I the butt of a joke? And Spielberg himself is like, I don't know, like, you just maybe I just wanted you to like me, but maybe also you like you just look good on camera and I'm just trying to make a good movie. And then, like, the you know, the guy has this complete meltdown because he doesn't know how to take this this situation. Um, and like, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Boom, go power on movies, on. right? Well, I mean, I'm just gonna go on because even then, like, that whole scene is such an interesting microcosm for like the movies as like an exaggerated version of ourself. And so you could almost view that scene as like, that's kind of Spielberg being in on the joke of like, you know, he, I think in the interviews that I've read since has been like very forthcoming with like, no, a lot of this actually did happen. Like it, it sounds crazy, but even if you don't want to believe him for that, the interesting idea of like the movies as like the movies aren't real. So in that scene, this bully is is like wrestling with i'm not the person the super cool person that you put me on screen and now i have to live up to that and steven spielberg putting himself and his family on screen and is it like you know this exaggerated version of themselves um and him sort of like wanting to to make permanent this sort of version of his childhood that is it exactly how it happened who really knows but it you know spielberg wanting to preserve kind of here's the the tall tale version of my childhood as i remember it and then like spielberg gets the laugh, last laugh in that scene because the bully is like you better not tell anyone about this and then i'm freaking out and spielberg's like i won't tell anyone beat unless i put it in make a movie about it someday and like the entire audience like erupts into laughter (laughs) i'm just like that's that's when people are like i don't know is 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 steven spielberg being a little full of himself in this movie it's like so what if he is that that just makes this so crazy like also like i don't know how you can watch that move that scene and be like oh he like he's rubbing it in our faces at this point and it's and we're eating it up like kind of what you said, of just sort of like your your comment you made when we when like you walked out of it and like you went to the premiere, I didn't, but you just sort of came up to me and were just like, I felt like I wanted to go up to him after and just be like, "Here, King, here's your crown." You dropped it or something like that. I'm like that is what this movie is. It's also, I think,
1: an important distinction that he in the movie he is not named Steven Spielberg. The family no. is the Fablemans. Um, so to me that's like don't take everything 100 percent um there's some creative wiggle room and maybe that's just like a technique for him to like work around it because if you know he 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 has said a lot of this is is how it happened he even he even went uh him and kushner were talking about in the q a after how like the anti-semitism and the kind of like the the bullying because of his Judaism in high school. He was like, to be clear, as shown in the movie and and Kushner was discussing this too, just two kids. He wanted to like go out of his way to make sure like no one, no one blamed the school or that Mm -hmm. like thought it was like a school issue or that the school didn't like support him or do anything about it. um, Or that it was like widespread throughout the students. It was just the two students um, very much like portrayed in the movie. So no matter like whether this is 99% accurate or like 50% accurate and like dialed up to 11. I feel like the fact that the character is not little Stevie Spielberg Mm -hmm. gives it a little bit more creative leeway and like a little bit more freedom for us to watch it as not fully like Spielberg's memoir on on screen, but like a movie, just a Spielberg movie that also is semi-autobiographical and Mm -hmm. we can be we can watch with like by with being informed of like oh this is steven spielberg
0: um yeah and and even i think like i i saw a, a take somewhere that was just like well would would this movie you know have as much power or be as interesting if it wasn't about steven spielberg and it's like but it is. That's like saying, would Lincoln be as interesting if it wasn't about Lincoln? Like, what, what kind of assessment is that? And and just like, I mean, the other scene that I thought of just now that I think when you and I were talking about it that week was like my favorite scene in the movie was, you know, so much of, I think, the emotional arc of this movie is his relationship with his mother and this kind of secret about this kind of emotional love affair she had with a friend of his father and that he found out about when he was a teenager and kind of kept hidden from the rest of the family. And they basically like made the, the father like made the decision to like, I'm just going to kind of leave. And like the other kids can think I'm the bad guy and, you know, to, you know, not have them hate both the mother and this sort of like friend of the family who she had kind of fallen in love with. And just the, the, the complexity in that relationship, um, and just, I mean, I, obviously some of it is Michelle Williams' performance, which is just so, like, wonderful, even for as big as it is. I mean, as, as I understand, like, Steven Spielberg's mom was a, like, big extroverted person. Um, but, you know, that the to me, like, it all kind of coalescing in that scene where he's, like, making the, the home video reel about their camping trip and sort of discovers the seeds of this. Maybe there's something a little bit more between my mom and dad's best friend. And it's as though, he's going through the Zapruder film of the JFK assassination. It's like, or it's like when John Travolta like goes through and starts putting together like the assassination reel in, in blowout, if anyone's ever seen that of, it's like a this intricate thriller sequence of him, like, Oh, my gosh! I'm uncovering something that like I can't believe what I'm seeing, and like, yeah, it's a little like you know overly amped up, but like it's that's true to like him being like this is this is how it felt to to kind of discover this in the moment, and it felt like as though you were uncovering like a political assassination by like going through film reels or something like that. And, and that just sort of sense of him sort of imbuing everything with just like, this is, this is not necessarily how this moment actually happened, but this is how it felt. And this is how that feeling sort of morphed me into the artist I would become today. Um, I, I just, that, that is to me, the more I've thought about this movie, the thing I, I love the most is, is that kind of through line to understanding the movie for me
1: it's such a beautiful and surprisingly hilarious film. Um, oh yeah. One of the, like kind of a laugh out loud moments, um, but it's like consistently funny, but also as heartwarming, if not more so than you would expect going in. Um, like so many just tender moments. Um, and it's just like, I can't, I can't wait to watch this with my parents, my family, siblings, whoever it may be whatever combination of this that group of people it may be um judd hirsch also just like absolutely fantastic in a very limited amount of screen time a
0: a, a total like the guy on the basketball team who like comes off the court and just does like a backhanded through like three pointer shot off the court and then just like goes and sits down again like that that is like the energy judd hirsch enters this movie at and like that incredible monologue he has about like you know the push and pull between like wanting to make good art but also like that sometimes means not being connected to the the people around you and i i have to imagine from what i know about spielberg and he seems like he has a very big family and i'm sure that's something he wrestles with all the time is like i love working but i also love my family and like the the push and pull of like how do I spend my time, um or you know talking about funny like I I I can't not mention the the sort of climax of this movie or like the ending of this movie where he goes and visits John Ford who's played by David Lynch and if you this is a story Spielberg has told time and time again and like very and the details always seem to change just enough but this version of it is so funny. And then the like the final note of this movie, the that like one camera movement, it's just a tilt that is just like the perfect like punchline to the joke of that movie. That's all, that is like, I know I'm in on it, and, and, and that that's just I mean I by the time that we got to that scene, I like wanted to like stand up and applaud.
1: Yeah, it was pretty early on in the movie. Where I realized, like, what I was watching was special, and it's it's one of the very few experiences, like theatrical experiences, where I really think, like, I will forever remember kind of what what seat I was sitting in, like mm-hmm. who was around me, with like where I was in in connection with the screen and the feeling of watching it for the first time, and that's like that's one of those things where you really cherish that because you can't, you can't ever get that first time experience back. Mm -hmm. And there, there are just, there are not many movies like that in my life. Um, And I'm not saying that means it's one of the best movies that I've ever seen. I'm just saying like that experience is, will forever be like one, one of the most memorable movie going experiences ever. And I really cherish that. And for me, I, I really don't think anything's topped it this year. Um, I, I I just it is it is a total victory lap for him
0: to pull mm-hmm. this
1: off in the way that he did, given what the movie is and him, yeah. like again the what you alluded to me saying after I saw it like here King you drop this
0: yeah I I'm I'm curious where where does this sort of like rank in his filmography for you is this like near the top does this like crack a top ten for you because I just pulled up like my letterbox list of like. My ranking of Steven Spielberg movies. I I think, I think for right now I have it at like twelve. But I'm I'm curious with like what with how much you love it, like where where it would fit in in his filmography for you. I definitely think this is like, I mean Spielberg's someone who doesn't, you know, he's he's in his like elder statesman period and sort of like even thinking about the movies he's made in the last five years, like. I liked the post, but didn't love it. I did not like ready player one, but you know, this movie and West side story kind of both walked out of it. Like, Oh my gosh, he's back. Like, this is like as good as he can be.
1: I would put it, um, behind only the BFG. No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) That would be a flex to just be like, that's the best one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I would put it in my top ten of his without putting together like a list. I don't I don't I don't have a letterbox list, but if yeah just like off the dome right now, I would probably say in I, I would say in the top ten.
0: Yeah. Well, uh any 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 final thoughts or any movies we didn't discuss that you wanna? I feel like we tried to we try to speed through this as quickly as possible.
1: What's the, the the new Florence P. One?
0: Oh, the Wonder. I haven't gotten a chance to watch that yet, but I I'm really I, intrigued. I you know I hear it is the better Florence Pugh Vehicle this year.
1: <laughs> I will say uh, I just I wanted to shout out my mom for uh, you know I'm going home this week and she just like threw out in the group chat just watch the Wonder and I was like thanks for waiting for me.
0: Um, oh dang and like she fired at she, daniel's mom yeah. yeah she
1: definitely didn't like give it any thought she either like assumed it you know i had already seen it or like didn't know that it like was just released didn't really you know she doesn't know who florence Pugh is she didn't mm. like she she just saw it had like good reviews and was like oh i'll watch this um and so yeah that crossed that one off the list of options that i can watch with her this week but uh yeah looking looking forward to it um because Florence Pugh I think has very good taste in movies and I I guess maybe that maybe not the most opportune time to say that considering um don't worry darling
0: it's fine uh, we all make mistakes it's okay by and large by and large you can still come on the podcast if she want ever wants to um Um, yeah I'm I'm (laughs) looking forward to seeing that one as well yeah yeah, open invitation anyone can come on um yeah. Well, Daniel, thank you for for stopping by and having the stamina to plow through all these movies today.
1: Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. It's a yes. Great, I, I just I I love food, just like I love the Fablemans. We should all enjoy. It's nice like all the great food of
0: Christmas, but you don't have to buy presents for people. You know what I mean? Basically. Yeah. yeah. It's just the the. You get to just sit
1: and watch football.
0: Sure, or or if you were like me growing up, you sit, stuff your face with food, and then go watch both Godfather and Godfather Part 2, and then you go to bed. That's how I oh. spent my Thanksgivings growing up. Uh, coming up on the next few weeks, uh, we'll be talking about Guillermo del Toro's reimagining of Pinocchio. Spoiler. So, pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, we'll also be talking about Avatar The Way of Water Big Jim Three minutes
1: back. less than Titanic's running time
0: Just Jim you can go back to the editing room add those three minutes add those three extra minutes on for Daniel he just wants to, to wade in the waters of Pandora for three minutes more um, also speaking of long movies we'll probably be talking about uh, Damien Chazelle's Babylon which it sounds like is giving Blonde a run for, and, and Elvis a run for its money is the year's most divisive movie. So uh, I'm definitely eager to, to see what in the world that is. Um, and may, you know, maybe we'll wrap things up this year with a, a, a best of the year, a best of the year episode. Maybe, maybe we'll bring you back, Daniel, and we'll do run through our top 10 lists.